0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed.
1: As-salamu May the peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon you. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, good afternoon, peace upon you, and welcome to another episode of The Drive Time Show here on The Voice of Islam today with myself, Raza and Qiyoom. I've been back after two weeks. How are you, brother Cury? All good, brother. peace be on you too. It seemed like more than two weeks no? Isn't it seems like it seemed like yeah. it's been a long time a since long we had a show two together two weeks, man a long two weeks yeah, it's yeah. good to be back yeah
0: we're going be we're gonna be making up for those two weeks yes and we're going to we'll be discussing what we've been doing for two weeks right especially especially the last weekend, which I'm sure everyone uh who attended the annual convention of United Kingdom uh in uh, Alton in Hampshire um it's the it's it's going to be a, a topic of conversation mm. or the events and the the statistics and the the reports that what happened and and why it happened and who spoke we're going to be talking about it for some time to come, so you know this is just a continuation of of uh, i suppose the um the aftermath and and the results and the and the positivity that we picked up yeah. at the annual convention and you know normally we we kind of talk about Um, um, normally we always kind of uh, post a story on on Instagram and we we normally say uh, you know please have a look at it and respond and we did do that and we asked um, everyone if they could share their moments there at uh, the from the annual convention and we've already had um, some responses today and uh, you know normally we do so we we kind of respond to it at the end of the show but um some people have said uh, seeing people after so long and mm. the spirit of unity, uh, his holiness's smile and incredible speeches. I think that's so relevant that sure. after three years, for the first time, people saw his holiness Hazad Mizza mm. Musura, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand physically. Mm. They saw him, you know, even though we got used to the Zoom and the and yeah. the and, and whatnot and, and online and virtual but to see someone in, in physical uh, sense is completely different. No doubt. Um, so many people have mentioned the same thing. Uh, people talked about reciting of um, a lot of the Taranas, which are poems in different languages from different parts of the world, from members of the community who come from different cultures, mm. different backgrounds, different languages. But one also mentioned the the bayat, which mm. is the oath of allegiance one takes at the hand of His Holiness. And that is what we're going to be, Talking about today, which is a continuation um, of something that uh, we did, uh, or our colleagues or brothers did on Monday, uh, drive time show, and what we're going to be doing today is a second part um, of uh, um, of the of the the conditions of bad, um, which is guardian uh, of Muslim identity.
1: So, it's a total of 10 conditions. If uh, you are interested, uh, there is a book about it as well. But the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazm ahmad when he started the community, when he initiated, uh, when he was given permission basically by God Almighty to start a, this community officially, he laid out 10 conditions uh, upon which the members of the community who wanted to enter into the Ahmadi Muslim community they uh, pledged allegiance to and as brother uh, Q mentioned the first part of the program you have listened to on Monday if you've missed it go back to SoundCloud and listen back to that but in today's program we're going to discuss the next five conditions or the last five uh, from 6 to 10 and we're going to continue the same topic Uh, As I said, um, from from condition number 6, 7, 8, 9, all the way up to 10. You spoke about the ANU convention. Uh, Voice of Islam was there as well on site. We had a temporary studio set up on on site and all the proceedings and all the speeches. You had some very, very interesting um, uh, studio discussions there as well from the guests that have come from across the globe um and if you want to listen back to any of those as well make sure that you do uh go back to SoundCloud and listen back to the podcasts
0: now before we continue with the sixth condition of bad, which again I'll say is the is the oath of allegiance um this you know these conditions these are not just any old terms and conditions mm. these are not just any old rules and regulations there's a reason why uh, you know it it, it even though it's fairly self-explanatory um, if one was to translate it. It is an oath of allegiance. So, if I may, uh, my brother was a, th- there, there is a. Could you kind of clarify that difference in in one saying? Well, these are the terms and conditions of becoming an Ahmadi Muslim, right. or, or you know, this is the this is what you, because th- there's a lot of misconceptions behind. Um, um, you know, a lot of people kind of tend to attack the community, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and <laughs> I and I kind of want to quash that. Um, um that that misconception that there's a reason why we take this oath of allegiance.
1: So I always think about the words of his holiness and I think not just his holiness at the moment but also the promised Messiah on whom be peace. When he came up well he didn't come up you know with these conditions. Uh, he didn't just pull them out of thin air. If you read them from the first one, which talks about uh, believing in the unity of God Almighty, not associating partners with God Almighty, and you go on and you go through all of the conditions that talk about um, uh, you know, the five daily prayers, mm. that talk about developing a connection with the Holy Prophet by sending salutations onto him, by not backbiting, by not getting into uh, un-Islamic customs, they're not... Something new. New, yeah. He has taken them. None of these 10 conditions are un-Islamic or they're not to be found in the Holy Quran or the traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It's basically a reminder that this is what your faith is all about. And so, it's, so So, just to,
0: my apologies for interjecting. It's, so, so this is kind of creating that mindset. Yeah. Uh, following from, you know, uh, if I was to go back and and think, well, his holy prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said there will be a time when Muslims will forget where they come from and who they are. And if one was to look at um, the condition of Muslims at the time when Mm. the promised Messiah um, said he was the promised Messiah, it was all verbal. There was no actions. um, And the actions were um, culture, traditions um, mixed up with new innovations over centuries and so the true essence and the true authentic Islam which was revealed to the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was not to be present anymore. No.
1: That that, that was the reason why the promised Messiah was sent in the first place. I mean, again, c- keeping the tradition of God Almighty in mind that every time uh, mankind deviated from the right path mm. it was in the mercy of God Almighty it was his his being basically required that he sends someone to guide mankind back to the right to the right to path. path yeah. And that's the reason why you have prophets. Now, the promised Messiah was not just a Messiah of the age. Messiah meaning someone who rejuvenates, someone who who brings people back to the original teachings, the same position that was held by Jesus, peace be upon him as well. But he was also a prophet of, of, yep. of the age. And hmm. we firmly believe that he was a prophet. He claimed to be a prophet. And that's the job of a prophet. He tells and he talks to God Almighty. The frequency of of his conversations with God Almighty is something that makes him special. And unless and until God commands someone to do something, they do not do this on their own. And
0: it's important to say it's the re- another reason why he had to be a prophet. Yeah, was because prophethood is also followed by a caliphate. Exactly, a caliphate cannot just
1: start on its own. There we go. And because this system and this movement was to stay alive, was to remain, we believe, until the end of days, it had to be initiated, it had to be the foundation stone had to be laid by a prophet, which then was continued through caliphate. And then, as we know, we are in the time of the fifth caliph. And and, and that's that's exactly what it is. He said that, I have come to sow the seed, that's it. And part of and parcel of
0: sowing that seed, what we talked about earlier, was, you know, people mixed up uh, traditions, customs and new innovations. Mm. So that takes us quite neatly onto the sixth condition of Baid, which is the oath of allegiance, which is that he, she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit themselves to the authority of the Holy Quran and they shall make the word of God. And the sayings of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. They are guiding
1: principles in every walk of their life. And you think about this. If you are listening to this from a non-Muslim perspective, mm. if you are not from a Muslim background, uh, if you are a Muslim, then I don't see anything wrong with that. It's if ethics, you, morals you, and values. If you are an Amdi or not, it doesn't yeah. matter. If, if I was to go onto the streets to speak to any, any Muslim from any part of the world and you say, you know what, as a Muslim you are to refrain from following un-Islamic customs, you're to refrain from lustful inclinations, you shall commit, uh, submit yourself to the authority of the Holy Quran, meaning that whatever the do's and don'ts that we find in the Holy Quran, you do that or you don't do that. You, you,
0: you're, uh, you're relevant or respected Holy Scriptures. Exactly. So whether you're Jew, you'll have, yeah. you'll have your Holy Scriptures, sure. whether you're Christian, you'll have your relevant, you know, yeah. each each, each, each religion and faith, in accordance with their holy scriptures, exactly
1: and then based on that, you live your life yes now, my question to anyone listening out there, if you have anything to say against that, would love to hear from you what What is it that, in this sixth condition, again, the first five similar setup yep. Um, what is in this condition that would put you off? What is it that you would say, this is innovation, this is new, this is not found in the Holy Quran, you have invented something which was not uh, done by the Holy Prophet? And, and look, before we get into the conditions hmm. itself, the 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 system of Ba'at or this taking an oath or taking a pledge, that itself is nothing new. Yeah. We find that as well in the history of Islam when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took the pledge of allegiance of the companions at that time.
0: And they're all the righteous caliphates. Exactly. It was, in fact, if one was to remember, and, and if you look at or listen to some of the older programs, when we talk about the caliphates, uh, uh, Hazrat Umar uh, took held Hazrat Abu Bakr's yes. hand and took the oath of allegiance, yes. um, meaning that he was... Um, the person who's going to be the representative exactly. and the caliph of that time for the Muslim world, yeah, uh, and 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 likewise, um, Habban uh, Hasan Umar became the second caliph. Mm. Uh, again, this was a tradition which followed through yeah. um, throughout the righteous Caliphates.
1: Exactly, and and look, the 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 this the setup or the way you do it actually as well. If you look at it, it has a deeper psychological, uh, you know, meaning and 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 reason behind it. We can say words all we want. I mean, uh, if you enter the words are cheap, yeah, words are cheap. Yeah, but if you are in, the, you know, the, just for the benefit of our listeners, the way it happens is, and you, you can, you know, watch the proceedings online as well. If you go to MT online and search for a bad B A I A T, it's the His Holiness is at the center yeah. of all of this. That's right. So it's like a human chain that starts from one hand. Mm. Of course, not everybody can put their hands on on his hand, and 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 not everybody can can touch him physically. But there's a chain of people. So you, the first person, puts his hand on his hand. Then there's two people behind him. Then four people behind. So it goes on and on and on. And I remember I was at one corner of 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 the whole proceeding. Well, there was a guy in front of me, there was a person behind me, so you put your right hand on the next person's shoulder, so this way, you are physically connected to his holiness and you know, in
0: addition to the physical connection, when you recite those words after his after the the caliph and the energy yes. that comes through that that touch is not just a touch, yeah, the energy is something. Uh, you know, it's indescribable.
1: Yeah, and for me, look, the the words in the beginning are that I am entering this community, this movement, on the at the hands of Masrur, and we believe the promised Messiah to be the founder, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, where it gets really emotional for me every time, and I think that's the purpose of 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 this pledge is to uh, to reflect. Mm. When the Arabic prayer is recited, that I, 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 I seek for Self-reflection for my sins. Exactly. Yeah. And because there's none other to forgive but God Almighty.
0: To, to me, also, one of the most important aspects of this oath allegiance is the bit when His Holiness recites that, yes, we are uh, following the promised Messiah. Mm-hmm. But then it goes on to say that, we are following the promised Messiah in accordance with the teachings of the Holy Prophet, the may prophecy, peace and blessings yes. of Allah be upon him. And he is the last of the prophets. He is the seal yeah.
1: of the prophets. And Abin, yes. We've so thrown, so, so what
0: this means is that it's a revival movement. We're reviving yes. the authentic religion that was brought to the universe, to mankind, mm-hmm. by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It's not a new religion. Mm-hmm. It is nothing new. There is no new law. Again, like I said at the beginning of the show, it was it was said, it was foretold by the Holy Prophet that there may be some blessings of Allah be upon him, that there will come a time when Muslims will forget. Mm. And if one was to read the time the promised Messiah claimed to be the Messiah, and if they saw the state of Muslims, at in in that little rustic village in in Qadiyan in mm. India, mm. where this man claimed to be the Messiah, um, and how he actually defended all faiths. Yeah. He defended Islam, not only Islam. He actually defended the extremists, Christian extremists, and told them what the authentic Bible and the and the Old Testament said. He actually defended the, the Hindu scriptures mm-hmm. when the extremists um, um, kind of m- manipulated the words in, in, in the Hindu scriptures. So he was fully averse with all the scriptures, and again, it's the, the reason why we always talk of the promised Messiah is, it's, it's, and the revival movement, it's also based on rationality. We all already know all the faiths around the world are waiting for the Messiah. There's not going to be a Messiah for each faith, is there? There will only be one Messiah who so will exactly, come to yeah, unify. Yeah. It will come to unify these faiths. That's rational thinking. It is, and, and the original Islam brought to the world by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was based on reason. It wasn't just like, do this because I tell you so. Mm. It's do this because this, 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 this. And over time, everything changed. People brought in customs, traditions, innovations, which suited their political need, personal need, or whatever other may, reason may be. And and that's where Muslims forgot that the original message that the Holy Prophet brought was lost at that yeah. time. And the promised Messiah came. And in fact, that's not just true of Muslims. If one was to look at the state of other faiths at yeah. that time, the picture
1: was exactly the same. And this is not something that we just... You know, claiming to to have happened. This is actually a prophecy of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, in which he spoke about the different periods that Islam was to go through. So you had the rightly guided caliphs. Then he said, you will have worldly kings, you will have tyrants, you will have a dark age. And then after so many periods that Islam and the Muslims were to go through, you will have... A time when God Almighty will send an appointed one. That's right. And then after him, you will have caliphate, and then he remain quiet. And, Rosa, I'm sure you remember we did that show. If we actually look
0: through the scriptures, hmm. all the scriptures have said and mentioned signs yeah. in the world that would occur. And all of them have said more or less the same thing, the same thing that yeah. that is a time the the the, the, the Messiah will come. And, and, you know, I urge you, please do give us a call if you want to know more, 208 Join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK or email us via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. We would love to hear from you or go on to alislam.org and you'll be, able, you'll be able to see what we are talking about.
1: The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, narrated by his wife, Hazit Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, relate, uh, said that in in, in an innovation in religion which has nothing to do with matters of faith is to be rejected and is unacceptable. Now, um, as we said, the mm. sixth condition is, is quite self-explanatory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking at it, when we said that this was the time of the promise of Messiah to come, why was this so necessary to be included? In the ten conditions of bath. in the ten conditions uh, that you know, that pledge that we take, so you have so many things. Again, that that line when we talk about it, and we had this 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 discussion in you know, many previous shows before as well. When Islam came, it was a universal religion. That means it wasn't limited to one specific nation.
0: I, I kind of sorry to interrupt. I want to. I would love for you to repeat that because this notion that. Islam was born in Saudi Arabia for Mm, the Muslims. mm. Saudi Arabia even though came around in 1938. Islam Mm. came 1400 years ago. But that's such an important point which is forgotten and again and again, isn't it? The Holy Prophet came for mankind, not for a small group of Bedouins in the desert. If that was the
1: case, we wouldn't have a problem. The reason being, if you come, let's say, um, if there's someone sent just for London, Right? Mm-hmm. So if it's one city, London, we, we know about the problems that exist in London. Yep. We know about, let's say, knife crime. We know about certain social issues, et cetera, et cetera. To deal with those problems, what, takes like, what, 10, 15, 20 years, 30 exactly. years. And then the matter is… is because you've got general. set parameters exactly. to deal
0: with location-wise. And your your rules only are relevant to
1: people within
0: that yes uh, um, within those parameters
1: now imagine people from Manchester would to come mm. or from Bradford or from Edinburgh or any other place or any other country they would come to London and say you know what um, what about us yeah uh, but we have these problems and we have those problems so you bring those issues but now you can deal with that. Mm. But if you don't have the solution to those problems, it will be problematic. problematic. If it was just the Holy Prophet sending be, uh, you know, sent to the Arabs, he would have dealt with that and that would be the end of it. But because Islam spread and many different nations as well as cultures. cultures. When cultures came into this, I mean, maybe at that time, 14, years ago, it wasn't such a big issue hmm. because the message was still fresh. You had the right, you got the caliphs. It was there. You had companions who lived in the time of the of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, but 14 centuries down the road, the lines were blurred. Yeah, people were mixing culture with religion. They were traditions. They, and yeah, and then you had your own interpretations. But this is what it means. And that. people
0: created new things. Yes, you know the number of times we've done, especially like over the month of fasting there Ramadan, we we go through misconceptions yes. that people have have created new innovations, um in in uh, within Islam so when we're talking about um, the sixth condition it is it, you know the, the the that condition challenges those innovations yeah. it challenges um, you know the state of society it talks of um, it talks of lustful incarnations yeah. what what kind of society are we living in when you know it, it is it is a society which is openly um um lust lust is something which is is sold sex sells sex sells everything yes. is
1: sexualized yes yeah.
0: so so you know if one was to kind of apply rationality and look at the world um you know with a real um, um lens instead mm. of a t- you know a, a, a rose tinted lens mm. one looks at reality which people yeah. tend not to do then then realize hold on these things make sense and they're so relevant and they've in fact been
1: relevant for the past century exactly and just one example before we <clears throat> go to Imam Iwan Gil who's been waiting with us on the line when we talk about innovations let's just looking at the Muslim world one example and this is again uh, we're not brushing everyone with the same brush not everybody does this no. but there's one you know certain groups within the Muslim nations that celebrate for example the birth birthday of the holy prophet, oh, holy prophet right yeah. so eid milad and nabi is is a, is a very well known i wouldn't say common but it's a very it's a well, well known, known yeah. um event event yeah. that happens and, and it is an event because it's done yeah. on massive scale so i'm not going to go into the details of mm-hmm. what happened, but looking at those events and looking at that itself there's no basis for that mm. There's absolutely no proof that you find in the Holy Quran. Again, this is the condition that you know you base your life on the Holy Quran, the traditions, none of that well known. Not just the traditions of the Holy Prophet, but also the the companions that came afterwards was never done. Well,
0: well, the Holy Prophet, with peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, the Prophethood came at the age of forty. Yeah, and he lived for twenty three years. Yes, I didn't. I have never read anywhere no. where during those twenty three years. It was celebrated. It was not even. It
1: didn't even it wasn't come. Even up. Not, not even mentioned. Not even mentioned. Like I didn't find. Again, I'm. I'm not claiming to have read all the, uh, the the narrations, but I've never heard the word or read the word birthday in any of those narrations. So
0: when Brother Rosa talks about innovation, that's what we're talking about. That anything which wasn't present at the time of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is not something we would kind of create. We would just follow. Um, the, the the traditions that were followed at the time by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or the righteous caliphates that followed after his prophethood.
1: Now with that, we are going to welcome our very, very dear friend and uh, no stranger to the Draft Time Show, Imam Murwan Gil from Argentina. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Draft Time Show, Imam Marwan
2: as alaikum, peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Thank good, you very much for good
1: to have you with us. Uh, we've missed you dearly here at the annual oh convention. I know this uh, has <laughs> been, it's been quite some time now. But inshallah, let's hope and pray that next year we'll be able to host you in the studios here in Voice of Sam. But good to talk to you. How are you? How has uh, the week been for you?
2: Alhamdulillah, it was a great enjoyment to see you and follow up and catch up the Jelpsa proceedings uh, virtually. Mm. And uh, in this sense, just a while, congratulations to all the female voice of Islam uh, for, for conveying such beautifully all the proceedings of Jelpsa.
1: Wonderful. Thank you very much for that. Now, Imam Irwan, we are talking about the sixth condition of the um, of the Ba'at, meaning the Pledge of Allegiance. Why should Muslims stay away from un-Islamic practices if the intentions are harmless and to just have, you know, I wouldn't even say fun, but include or embrace different cultures um, to make religion a little bit more attractive, maybe?
2: I think um, it, 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 there is a, a saying even in Spanish that says uh, translated or converted English. To no, say it, it like it, that, say it in Spanish first.
1: Say it in Spanish uh, first.
2: It's like el como hace el que, you know. So it, the, the, the saying means that um, the way you do it has an impact on the end result. Mm. So even if, it says that even if your intentions are good and pure, but if the way is not carried out rightfully, sincerely, or according to the norm
3: mm.
2: you can you can't hope the the same result. So I think the same is we are so fortunate and blessed that when we say that God has revealed. Uh, through the Qur'an and then through the manifestation of the Holy Prophet Muhammad he has re- revealed the truth that he also includes that God has provided us all the different means of how attaining our final purpose in that sense it would be also contradictory if we say that God being the most wise, Al-Hakim, the Al-Adeen, the all-knowing if he would not have provided us all the means or, or the right way of how achieving our final purpose. In this sense, I think um, we find in Islam the beauty that it does, does not give us the commandment but also instructs us the way of how to achieve our final goal. It also explains us the purpose and it also admonishes us from the dangers if we try to um, come to our end goal by other means.
0: Hmm. Imam Muran, peace be on you, Kayum here. Um you 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 talked about um, um, you know we we were talking earlier about innovations and um, and uh, Imam Raza uh, you know gave an example of the celebration of birthdays, especially the birthday of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which is celebrated worldwide in in different Muslim uh, schools of thoughts and sects. So why is it that Ahmadi Muslims do not celebrate this, and and you know comparatively to other religions, or other sects, I should say. I think-
2: I think because uh, we as Ahmadi Muslims, uh, for us it's very important to always base all our um, decisions and lifestyle in the teachings, in the poor teachings of Islam. So Therefore, when we do even bad, the sixth condition is to refrain from all such acts and customs which are not Islamic. And when we speak about Islamic, it's important to keep in mind Islamic is what we find or what is taught by the Holy Quran. And what we find in the Sunnah and in the Hadith, in the sayings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And nowhere in the Holy Quran, God has commanded the Muslims to celebrate the birthday of any person. Nor do we find in the tradition of the Holy Prophet Muhammad that he would have celebrated the birthday of any previous prophet. Nor do we find the example that he commanded to his disciples, to Sahaba, to celebrate his birthday. So in all three sources contents of Islam we do not find any narration. Um, whereas even very interestingly, um, sometimes we speak with also our Jewish brothers and some of them they thought that maybe our Islamic calendar is based on the birthday of mm-hmm. the Holy Prophet Muhammad. So <laughs> I said, No, I corrected them, I said no. The the, the the Islamic calendar is not based on the birthday or has no link with the birthday of the founder of Islam. Rather it's a completely different event. So this also shows that even when the, in the time of Prophet Umar, when they even uh, finalized the Islamic calendar, the birthday of the Holy Prophet did not have any value in their decisions. In this sense, for us, it's always very important to follow, um, in this sense, in the, in the form of uh, the pure and authentic teachings, the Islamic traditions. And mm-hmm. there we don't find any clue, any hint of celebrating the birthday, not only of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, but of anyone.
0: Now, I kind of want to take it down to the next level of people who follow, people who are believers. This is exactly the same reason, isn't it, that it's not encouraged. In fact, I would say, you know, it's discouraged that one shouldn't celebrate birthdays on what we do with parents, grandparents, children, because it actually creates innovation. Especially you know living in the West, um, you know the, the, the concept of birthdays is is you know it's it's deemed as like a, an imom- a moment uh, uh, you know, an important moment mm. of the year. Um, and and a lot of effort and money is spent um, uh, on uh, on these few moments in the year. But because of the tradition that was set at the time of the holy prophet and and the righteous caliphates afterwards, that is the reason that that should really be followed through, isn't it, in one's individual life?
2: Exactly even I would say that Islam um and, and by the way and the example of Holy Prophet Muhammad and his writer Thulafa we find as well the way of how to celebrate something. Hmm. I mean even now just, 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 if you listen even today Hazul sermon uh, I know it from, difficult, from different political or also other events when they have a big important event and after how they celebrate their achievement It's mostly in a commercialized manner, uh, in a, in, when, in vain ways of ceremonies or behaviors or acts. But see the example of our beloved Falafah. The first thing, immediately after any success of any important event which was initiated, the first saying afterwards is the first expression is always afterwards Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. It mm. also for us the the, the, the the way of celebrating is always linked to the expression of thanking God, of being more grateful to God and humbling yourself. And that's I think something very important that, that you see mostly in our Western societies in, 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 in norms or in terms of celebrations, especially birthday. That it's not something, it's not your personal achievement that you achieved something. Basically, it's uh, it, it's uh, you should be at that day, I think, more grateful even to the Supreme Being that He gave you one more year in your life. Mm. But sadly, mostly you see that people spend so much time, uh, so much wealth, so much money on rain, acts. Uh, and not only this, but also there's certain, I think many times we also feel it as Muslims in the West, in the West, that there's a certain pressure upon you. You know, by your following, by your environment, that you have to adopt the same yeah. norms. And many times, people, especially also the parents of young children, they feel it and they perceive as all the pressure. And I think there it comes that it leads up a new new way to to acts act and wane uh, lifestyle.
1: And it's 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 harmless at at that moment. But then, if you do it every single year, it becomes part part of the family tradition. Imam um, I want to bring it to to today's day and age. I mean, with just birthdays itself, um, this you know, might have been done and celebrated by people from 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 a very long a long time ago. But nowadays, we have so many days and so many festivities throughout the year. You have Father's Day, you have Mother's Day, you have Valentine's Day, and you have that day and this day. Um, and 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 that's not even including weddings. Just for now. As far as these things is concerned, oh, well, let's that's, that's include weddings as well into this. So in, in many cultures, if, if you look around the world, these are days to, to celebrate. For example, if you look at Mother's Day or Father's Day, I mean, we do have uh, huge, massive teachings within Islam as well when it comes to the rights of parents, when it comes to the respect that you owe to them. Um, but how or why is it that, that we are not encouraged to celebrate it in this day, in this way, or or dancing at weddings, singing at weddings, all of these things, do they fall under under this this the sixth condition of, of innovations?
2: I think it's important, Raza, to mark that um, what we discourage is to, to, to celebrate these days in a commercial manner and mm. um, in a way just celebrating that on one day rather Islam teaches let's take the example of Mother's Day or Father's Day Islam does not say or does not teach to celebrate your parents just one day but yeah. to celebrate them every day every single day and keep them present in your day and especially what I see here in Argentina many times it's more a social pressure you know that the society uh, tells you how you have to celebrate on that certain day your, your father or your mother so you have yeah. to buy them a certain specific gift you have to go out to a restaurant. You have to have nice, delicious, expensive food, and that's the way how they consider it celebrating. But then you ask them, "What's the next following day? What's the plan the next following day <laughs> with your parents?" And they're like, "No, it's not about it." No,
0: but it, but Imam Imam Arvindul say such a it's such an important point uh. because. It's like, well, I'm not going to be mean to my parents today. I'm not going to be rude to them. I'm not going to raise my voice with them. I'm I'm actually going to kind of give them time within this 12-hour period in the year. So it seems to me that it's it's actually quite a selfish day because it's just time to ease your guilt for that one day. Whereas, you know, throughout the year, you've not been a good person towards your parents. You're trying to earn the brownie points. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? I mean, that's how it can be interpreted.
2: Exactly. And, and, and the same is what I also see here in, in Argentina being a very Catholic country. But it's sometimes really shocking that on one side, um, even the Catholics, they, they, they claim, they affirm to be a monotheistic religion. But on the other side, they have so many days where they celebrate their different saints Mm. or holy persons of the church. And even just recently, last weekend, there was a day for their celebration, which they celebrate or they associate their celebration. And they ask a certain saint of the church, or especially for work or for those who are less fortunate, so they can also have worldly blessings. And for an external person, it's such a clear act of idolatry, you know, but uh, themselves... um, but then it had become so normal that they, they promoted it even that much. Even it happened to me at one occasion, I was in an official meeting. And just prior to the start of the meeting, I saw that several people went to a statue. They touched it and were expressing some prayers. And they also invited me, and I said, what is the purpose of this? And they said, no, that's a really famous virgin of our province, and we also asked her blessings before our meeting. And then they said, "If you want to buy this same version down there, there is a shop where you can buy it." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the the, the same contradiction. And I on. was like, "I was saying, I was no, I don't need to touch her. I will just celebrate God directly." So I said, "I don't need any <laughs> any sanctuary to, to speak to the the, the birth directly." So I rather prefer to have the direct link. And they said, "Ah, oh, that's a nice concept, of club. but that's what I, I I'm trying to say that it's incredible." And if you as a Muslim Think about it and I think we are so fortunate having the guidance of Pulafa. <laughs> Otherwise I think we will be really stuck in the same customs as we see mm. with our fellow Muslim brothers. That there are also certain rituals just recently Muharram was and if you see how they celebrate Muharram or yeah. their acts, their ways of expressing the mourning and commemorating Imam Hussein, it's so un Islamic. Mm. And therefore I think we should be very grateful to have as a guidelines the ten conditions of that
1: no doubt. Now, Imam, Ran, lastly from my side as well. <clears throat> you mentioned that it's the the, the pressure of the society, uh, specifically when you know parents are faced with this with this question of of do we or do we not? And children when they go to school and they see their friends and other um, uh, classmates when they celebrate birthdays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, not just birthday, but you know other days as well. How do we then? What do we do as parents? How do we educate our children and our youth that, you know, you, you respect the, the other person's way of life. But up to a certain point that not partaking in such practices is not you being rude, is not you being in- excluded from, from that lifestyle. But it's more about, you know, you keeping your Islamic roots.
2: I think we find a really noble example and a very wise um, wise act in the life of the, or in the tradition of the Holy Prophet, which is the act that as soon as the baby is born, the parents are commanded to, to say the the words of Azan and Ikama in his ear. Hmm. And I think that's such a wise and such a deep, um, a, a hidden treasure for us parents, which means that the the, the the mission of educating your children and cultivating in them Islamic traditions and the essence of Tawheed of the monotheistic way of life starts from the very first moment. It starts from the moment that the, the, the our child is born because many times it happens and what we see in our sometimes sadly out in our environment that parents come to us to missionary or Jamaat and say, look, our, our child now, it is difficult to explain to him or that he acts upon, upon all the Islamic traditions. But at that moment, he's already 16, 17, 18. Hmm. And then trying to get influence over him or cultivate him, it's much harder. And Therefore, yeah, yeah. Islam taught us that the, the way of cultivating and um, inculcating in your children the Islamic values, the Islamic norms, starts from the beginning. That's why we find even that the Holy Prophet said that when your child are seven, they should start joining you in prayers. And by the time but they are 10, the parents should be even more strict upon this. And that's the thing that there's the same example. If we see, let's say, a farmer, so, so his work starts from the moment when he puts the, the seed in the soil. He has to constantly work on that. He has to work on, on his farm so he can be afterwards uh, getting or his garden might storage. So the same is for us the duty of parents and I think it's very important as well to show our own examples. That's why as well in the Quran we find so much importance given to the fact to be coherent between your words and your own practices. I mean children are like a sponge. You know mm-hmm. they imitate they feel all our acts and sometimes even unconsciously. So if you on one side tell them not to lie but on the other side in front of our children we're lying yeah. even we might give them afterwards the ten justifications or, or a very beautiful lecture, but it's going to have an impact on them. So I think it's very important that, uh, as parents, from the beginning as well, teach to them by your own actions, by your own example. And I think in this, it's very important to give them as well confidence and have a friendship with them. Mm. Because it's very normal and we live in societies where it's um, even very promoted to question everything. Yeah. And there, instead of just... <clears throat> Telling them that they have to blindly follow islamic traditions is also very important in a friendly, in a nice manner to explain them as all the wisdom. Because we are so um, blessed and fortunate that our religion gives all the answers. It's a wise religion. Yeah. So it's just sometimes a, a lack from our side that we cannot complete the, the manner or the way of conveying our teachings.
1: Wonderful. Have confidence, be proud of your Islamic values. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Imam Alwangil, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time, brother. And uh, until next time, Assalamu Alaikum. Peace be upon
2: Thank you very much. Peace and blessings
1: to you. That was Imam Alwangil, a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, currently serving in the wonderful country of Argentina.
0: Before we go on to our next guest, uh <coughs> One one important point that uh, Imam ar made when he talked about Tawheed, mm. So, for the benefit of our listeners, it's the the belief in the unity and the oneness of God. Mm. So, when when you know when you when you when you've got your cake, your expensive cake which you have specially had made from your baker, mm. spends thousands, hundreds of pounds on it, and then you've got candles on it, and then you blow it, and what do people say?
1: Happy birthday! No, no.
0: What wish did you make?
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah?
0: That's the beginning of challenging that oneness of God mm. because who are you wishing that? Who, who do you expect that wish who's going to bring it forward because you think you're going to blow on some candles? And Theory. that's the beginning of the innovation. Yeah. Secondly, the second, cal- uh, the fourth caliph of the promised Messiah, Hazard Mr. may Allah have mercy on his soul, he said, so you're celebrating... The fact that death is coming closer to you because yeah. flip the coin, yeah. One year less, so so you're going to survive one year less and you're celebrating that. Mm. Where's the rationality in that? <laughs> and His Holiness, Hazrat <laughs> the fifth caliph of the promised messiah, said, He goes, Look, I never said don't have fun, mm. but define fun is copying everyone else, which is encouraging innovation, having fun, or Get up in the morning, get up in the morning. If you do want to celebrate something, do two extra voluntary prayers. Mm. Go and give some charity. So you are celebrating, but by doing good, because that's the teaching and the traditions of the religion you follow. Yeah. And I think you said the key words there. You've got to have confidence to be able to tell someone, well, hold on, that's not something we do. Yeah. People take spend weeks in organizing and planning a birthday and spend and hundred and thousands of pounds yet they never ever consider that let me spend those hours and that money on something which will be more beneficial for society which will be fun too and nobody and, says you can't get together within your immediate family circle and have a meal yeah nobody says you can't do that because that's what you're doing you know on the other side of the coins but as the fourth caliph said he goes well if you invited your second, third, fourth, fifth cousins, and then you invited your neighbor, so, well, where does it end? That's it. You, you know, within parameters, Islam doesn't say you can't have fun, but you've got to remember who you are, because your yeah. identity, your, your, the way you live your life should, ade- should, should should be enough to identify who you are. Yeah. What you said earlier,
1: words are cheap. Don't just say it. Yeah. You've got to live it. Start with the being that gave you that life and that year that you're celebrating in the first. Thank
0: days. you, God, for
1: for 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 you know for for giving me another year on this earth. The seventh condition of bad the initiation into the Ahmadiyya Muslim community reads that he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all of his, or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance. ...and meekness. Here with us to talk a little bit more about this seventh condition is our next guest for today. Uh, he's a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community currently serving in Canada. Imam Farhan Iqbal, uh, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Draft Time sure. Show.
4: Wa alaikum <laughs> assalam rahmatullah thank you for having me.
1: JazakAllah <clears throat> for joining us today. It's always great to have you on. The seventh condition of bad requires the banishment of any pride and demands the adaptation of, of humble lifestyle. If I can ask you to 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 maybe elaborate a little bit on the importance of this condition, Um, it doesn't seem too religious, does it?
4: Well, it has a it has a religious uh, connotation to it or aspect to it rather as well, and that is uh, when when it comes to our religious activities, right? Religious so for instance we have uh, salat or we have the giving of charity or other morally uh, good things that we that we do even that can that can bring arrogance mm-hmm. and vanity right i mean of course worldly things like a good house a good car a good job could also you know make a person arrogant but uh, religious uh, behavior or uh, good acts can also make a person proud so there, it has both. It has both aspects, and uh, the idea is that if you have the good things of this world, whether in a religious sense or in a worldly sense, if not, let that become a source of against or pride. Because the moment we become proud, we think uh, of others as less than us, and that would, you know, among other things, it would mean that we start treating other people. Uh, in a bad way uh, and uh, treat them as inferior to us and in the religious connotation this can uh, what what this can do is that it can uh, make a person uh, you know like satan because satan was also proud and he did not want to you know obey the commandment of god mm. when it came to adam uh, because of his pride he thought of his own creation of, or his own being as better than adam and that ultimately uh, led to his demise in the spiritual sense and uh, it prevented him from doing you know i mean like you know the story of satan tells us that arrogance prevented him from obeying god right you can reach to that point where you stopped uh, being obedient to god because you're so arrogant and so think so highly of yourself
0: right Mm -hmm. um Imam uh, uh, Farhan Iqbal, peace be on you. as Kayum here. here. Um, we, We're discussing bath and the, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I kind of want to make it um, kind of understandable for our non-Muslim listener. And at the time of the promised Messiah, um, on whom be peace, and even from that time until now, if one was to look at the situation of the way the world is and even what world religions are, this is very relevant, isn't it? Because pride and ego has actually um, um, taken the world um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very negative and regressive condition, isn't it? If, even if one was to consider it today, that pride, ego is more important than human life.
4: Right. Uh, I mean, we, 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 have, we see billionaires and millionaires and people who are influencers and.
0: Uh, well, even politicians, the way they are making decisions around the
4: world. Right. I mean, when they become so arrogant. And I remember, um, you know, a long time ago, Azad Khalifa al Masih Rabi, uh, Rahim once he was talking about uh, the president of a superpower, you know, at that time, and how he would address the countries that were uh, you know not as powerful or or weak compared to the superpower and he would sound as if it's god speaking or mm-hmm. addressing other nations so it's it's it can get to that level where you know even something like a god complex comes into it and and politicians who are in charge of uh, armies that are you know uh, hundreds of thousands you know, the soldiers are in the hundreds of thousands and there are billions of dollars. It, it, I'm not talking about any one country. There are many countries where this is happening and this is causing, you know, the world to become a more dangerous place because of the arrogance of um, all these politicians and how they're uh, treating their own people or people of other countries.
0: And And this was the case within religion as well at the time of the Promised Messiah where... Clerics and, and 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 you know hierarchy of all faiths um, were were kind of really buzzed. Is the word I would use on ego and pride of their respective faiths that that there was a need for this condition, um, um, which is one of the reasons why it it was part and parcel of uh, the, the oath of allegiance we take at the hand of the promised Messiah.
4: Right, and and as I mentioned, with, with, same with the story of Satan. Where you know these ulama, uh, these scholars uh, of, of the of the community, where some of the some of them were the you know most vehement uh, uh, you know, opponents of the promised Messiah, and the reason was because they thought so highly of themselves and of their knowledge mm-hmm. and of their. If you read a couple of these debates that are found in the books of the promised, uh, yeah. peace be upon him, uh, ask him which, uh, which uh, group of Muslims do you belong to, or which uh, leader do you follow, what is, you know, taqleed, right, which, which uh, great saint do you follow, and those kind of questions to try to, you know, box him in and, and try to compete with him. So it's, it, you know, these ulama, these scholars were the ones uh, who were, you know, they went to the, they were so arrogant. And they oppose the promised Messiah so much that it started spreading false propaganda hmm. uh, about him, and uh, that's what happens. That w- when it, when you become arrogant, you start d- resorting to any means necessary uh, to pull that, pull down the other person.
1: And and right? that, down the other person. And, that, and that's something that we find in the life of of you know so many other prophets as well, where you have these scholars, these, these clerics. clerics of the time. They say. What, you're a prophet? How come you're a prophet? Mm. What's so special about you? I mean, if you look at the story of uh, of Jesus, peace be upon him, if you look at you know, stories of so many other prophets... The Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah, be upon him, out of all, even at Moses. Exactly. I mean, who who chose you? Why would God Almighty choose you? What's so special about you? Look at us. We're learned. We're this. We're that. Um, and if there is anyone to be chosen, it should have been us, Imam Farhan. I want to ask you about, um, and and that's if you if you are okay with that. We're going to go to the news in just you know seventy seconds now. To talk about the the character of the Holy Prophet uh, of the Promised Messiah uh, on whom we peace just a little bit, um, and and the yeah, reason there's being, there's, yes,
4: yeah, there is one uh, incident that I can squeeze in within a few seconds. We sure. have it illustrates the humility of the Promised Messiah. So once he was returning from the Aqsa Mosque in Qadian when a person named Mirabash who was uh, you know mentally challenged um, and he 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 called out loudly to the promised messiah and said oh ghulam ahmed right mm-hmm. and the promised messiah was so humble that he stopped and he replied politely he said yes and you know mirah would address the promised messiah and said, Listen, you should say salam right and the promised messiah did not get angry or anything he just said assalamu alaikum and mirah said uh, you need to settle your account, right? It, he was deluded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he said that. And the promised Messiah took a coin from his pocket and gave it to him. And that, that made him happy. Mm-hmm. So it shows the the extent, the humility that the promised Messiah had. And it's a model for us to follow and not let anything uh, offend us or hurt our, our, our ego or pride in any way.
1: Wonderful. Thank you very much for that. Imam Farhan Iqbal, we're going to return to you in uh, two minutes, if you allow. You're listening to The Draft Time Show today with myself, Raza, and Qayyum. We're talking about the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth, and 10th condition of the initiation into the Amityum Security, the Pledge of Allegiance. If you want to have your say or ask us any questions, zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Here are the 5 o'clock news, and we'll be back after that. Stay with us.
0: You are listening to the recording of a live show
1: Please do not call or text As this is a recording And lines are now closed May the peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon you all Welcome back to the Draft Time Show here on The Voice of Islam Today with myself, Raza and Qayyum we are at the seventh condition of Ba'at, the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, the Pledge of Initiation into the Ahmadi Muslim community. The promised Messiah on whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Ghulam Mehmed, laid out these ten conditions. And the seventh condition reads that he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all of his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance and meekness. We are joined by Imam Farhan Iqbal who is um, answering some of the questions that we have based on this seventh condition. Imam Farhan Iqbal, welcome back. JazakAllah, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, There's a verse of the Holy Quran that speaks about surely success does come to the believers who are humble in their prayers. Based on this seventh condition, I want to ask you about this as well. What does this mean? What has humbleness to do with prayers?
4: Yeah, if uh, I'll, I'll get to 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 that aspect as well. But if you look at the verses where this this uh, this is stated, this is in Surah Al-Muminun in the very beginning. Uh, it uh, it basically a prophecy. Hmm. It states that success would come to the believers who are humble in their prayers and who have these other qualities that are listed after uh those verses so if you have all of those qualities if you if you're offering prayers if you're being humble in your prayers then uh the prophecy is that you would be successful you would have success uh, in the spiritual sense that you will become closer and closer to god mm. um now what is it what does prayer as you ask, what does prayer have to do with uh, humility uh there's another verse of the holy quran which says uh, seek help with patience and prayer and this is indeed hard, except for the humble in spirit. Hmm. So, in other words, it's saying that humility is something that is a prerequisite uh, for, uh, you know, a good prayer. If we are arrogant, if you, if you have a big ego, uh, then, uh, in fact, it would not even be possible for us to, to offer the prayer. Because prayer is like really making ourselves humble uh, so, and, 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 and depending on, uh, on the power of God to help us out, right? And that requires humility. That, that process requires humility. Uh, and that is why in Islam we have the five daily prayers where we are bowing down and then we're going into prostration uh, to, to really get that humble feel uh, which is necessary, to get that humble spirit, uh, as the Quran states, uh, that is required um, for, um, for our prayers. And uh, to make sure that uh, our prayers reach God Almighty,
0: Imam Iqbal, Imam Farhan. Well, you ma- you mentioned prayers and and that spirit of being humble. In today's day and age, you see loads of. I mean, if if one was to look at social media or um, in in uh, in everyday life, you see Muslims who are. Visibly praying outside and making videos of it, or some people dressing. are dressing in a certain way to make sure that people see them in in a in a, in a particular light, or, or people are describing their charitable acts, and and you know um, what's what's Islam's take on this? Whether and how does one determine, or, or should even one determine who is being humble and who's being arrogant and being show off?
4: Yeah. So the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has talked about this. He has said that, for, you know, and I quote, that arrogance should not be adopted in any way at all, not with regard to knowledge, not rega- with regard to wealth, not with regard to high rank, not due to caste, ancestry, and lineage, but it is mostly due to these things that arrogance develops, hmm. right? And then he goes on and he talks about these other examples as well, that even the way you dress up can, uh, can uh, have an impact. So well, You know, we, we have social media, we have these, uh, you know, platforms these days where individuals are encouraged to show off, right?
3: Mm. And when,
4: when that happens, uh, that can also bring arrogance. And once arrogance comes into us, you know, it, it can have the potential that, am I, am I offering this prayer uh, for God or am I offering the prayer just to have a social media following? Mm. Right? What is the uh, intention? Because in Islam, intentions is, are, are very important. Because the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has said that uh, you know actions are judged by intentions. Mm. So if the intention is pure that I am doing this for the sake of God and God's pleasure. Uh, that is the the prayer that is ideal, right? But if the intention is that I want to show off, or you know, and there's actually a verse of the Holy Quran that's, that that uh, condemns and curses those uh, worshippers who uh, just go to the mosque to show off, right? And co- compare that to today's age, where social media can enable a person to have thousands, even millions of followers. And if it's show off, then it just, uh, it can be very dangerous, and it can be actually be a sinful act instead of being a righteous act.
0: Finally, um, Imam Farhan Iqbal, um the Holy Quran tells us to spend both openly and also in secret why is this and how can we ensure we maintain a balance where humility is key
4: yeah so uh, intentions so if our intention
0: oh we've got a bad line there yeah we got a bad line there uh I think we will try and get yeah. uh or I said we'll try and and then our, our our main man in the studio will try and reconnect with Imam Farhan Iqbal but, uh, you know, um, Imam Farhan Ambal was talking about arrogance. The promised Messiah, may I merely be pleased with him, has given the following statement. He said, I admonish my community to shun arrogance because arrogance is most loathsome mm-hmm. to God, the Lord of glory. You may not perhaps fully realize what arrogance is, so learn it from me because I speak with the Spirit of God. Everyone who looks down upon his brother because he could consider himself to be more learned, wiser, or more accomplished than him, is arrogant. He is arrogant because, instead of considering God to be the fountainhead of all wisdom and knowledge, he considers himself something likewise. He is arrogant because he has ignored the fact that his status and grandeur were bestowed upon him by God. Now, if one was to look at today's world, I don't think any could be any, anything yeah. could have been more accurate yeah. here. Yeah. Where when people, and and I don't mean to kind of single out, but you, you tend to find this in in the academic world, or or you tend to find it in people who have extraordinary wealth, where they talk about me, myself, and I, my effort, my sacrifice, yeah. my this, my that, my achievement, my achievement.
1: I did that exactly. I
0: and 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 you know, I don't think promised Messiah could have. He didn't mince his words there. He could have said it straightforward. That is
1: arrogance. I, I think. Look, you're absolutely right when it comes to social media. The message that I'm getting um, from 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 these videos and from from the content that is being produced. Again, look, i um, I'm no one to judge. That's entirely in the hands of God Almighty. But. The, the, but
0: it's, the, it's the, good the, to clarify what trend, God Almighty yeah, means yeah, by
1: yeah. when when we talk about verses
0: and and we talk about uh, narrations of the Holy Prophet. It, you know, it's about awareness.
1: We're not making judgments here. No, it's a, but the, but this trend. What I'm what I'm seeing is look when when I when I think about it, uh, by the grace of God Almighty, I think we we would be able to to make an informed decision. Yes. Right, so I know if somebody's talking about certain things, is it just the narration? Is it just the oratory skills? Is it the content? What is it? You look at the body language, you look at the clicks, you look at how that person is behaving overall. But then for someone who is just getting into, let's say, this religious phase with 12, 13, 14, whatever that age is, it's it's not about the content. It's, it's about how you attract that person. If you, right. It's about the first line that you open up with. Do you get him on the hook or do you not? Mm. Again, no judgments made here. But when it comes to religion, when it comes to faith, yes, the intentions, that's that's all that counts. But overall, overall that, that trend towards social media and clicks and likes and retweets and, and, and whatnot that is, I think it's very obvious for the world to see now. It's very, very open and common knowledge. And and But the problem is, isn't it, the, the, the,
0: the most difficult thing what people find in today's day and age is to truthfully self-reflect yes. and look upon their own character yeah. because it's easier. And social media kind of tells you to f- point your fingers. It's always somebody else's I mean, fault. The,
1: the, 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 the things that I've seen, look, the, there was one... Uh, debate that didn't happen, that didn't go through. Mm. So there's one uh, sheikh or whoever, you know, one of the scholars on one side, and then you had another one on the other side, and the one guy is asking him, "Are you even a scholar? What's your what's your uh, what's your degree? Where have you graduated from? I'm not even going to talk to you. You're not worthy of mm. <laughs> of my type." I mean, like, what what kind of example are you setting for the next generation? Then you had—I've you know, seen a video as well where somebody introduced their prayer room. Hmm. Oh, it was my biggest dream. I always wanted to have a prayer room. Hmm. Again, I mean, it's good and fine that you have a prayer room. May God uh, accept all your prayers that you do in that prayer room. But really, but it's also
0: arrogant when There's you don't celebrate somebody Isn't else's there a success. You... Yes, so, exactly. But this is what I'm saying: it's, you're building a house of God for purpose of God or for the purpose of showing showing that oh I made this look
1: at this and this that
0: but but part and parcel of that arrogance is also when somebody's correct and to say well no yes you are correct and so there's no argument to be had and the reason that comes to mind is I think I'm sure you will correct me there was you know the the promised Messiah on whom we used to have so many uh, um, you know he was always invited for debates so once he was invited by uh, a, a so-called opponent, mm. or he was an opponent, and he and the promised Messiah sat there and listened to his side of the debate, and and then when it was his turn to debate, he got up and he said, "Well, everything you said, I agree with," and he walked off because, like, well, well, there's nothing for me to debate here, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he recognised the fact that he goes, "Well, there's nothing you've said I disagree with." Yeah. I don't have a problem in saying you're right,
1: and the people were looking for a fight. Basically. Exactly,
0: but that's the thing, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? People, yeah. and that's what today's is about, isn't it? Yeah. That I'm going to entice you to argue and fight with me. Look, when we, you know, the difference between Voice of Islam and other stations, what you will find is when we give, when we tell you that we want you to call us and tell us what your feeling is, or, or what what we want you to come and tell us what comes to mind, what's a question. If you were to call me and say, "Well, I want to discuss an argument with you," that's not what we're looking for. We're not right. here to have a debate with you. No sensational. That's right. It's it, it, and and that's the key, isn't it? That today's media, be it mainstream TV, radio, social media, it's about sensationalism. It's about the headline. Nobody looks at substance anymore, and and. If one was to look at the way the world is at the moment, the fact that people haven't been looking at substance is the reason why we are in such turmoil today. Because everyone has been so focused on the shining headlights of the headline Mm.
1: that now substance that they had not been giving attention to is bearing fruit. And God Almighty has a way of showing the reality to people. Yes. We've had so many scandals, so many, uh, you know, these, these, these sham... Uh, Negative events, preachers, and yeah. and and scholars, and whatnot, and that comes to 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 the surface. It's everything is connected to God Almighty, and if it's not in the humbleness of your of your being, if it's not in the sincerity of your actions, then by God, it's it's just a matter of time. Um, when it comes to yeah. No, sorry.
0: I, 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 if if uh, listeners are expecting Imam Farhan Iqbal to come back, we've just been informed by our super duper tech man, Assad brother Assad, that uh, we won't be able to reconnect uh, with uh, Imam Farhan Iqbal. So, thank you to Imam Farhan Iqbal no, for exactly. taking time out and coming on to Drive Time Show, and uh, have a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. I think it's it's Friday prayers time there. As it is, well, yeah. So, so we have yeah, to it let is. Him go it, he isn't from Canada, so the time difference.
1: Now, as far as the humility and meekness is concerned of the Promised Messiah on whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community, and there are so many narrations that come, come to mind. One of them uh, is narrated by one of his companions, and he said that a few years ago in Ludhiana, which is uh, you know a town in India, I went to sleep on a couch in one of the newly built rooms in the house of uh, the Promised Messiah. As I fell asleep, he was pacing up and down in the room, but when I woke up, I saw him lying on the floor near my couch. Seeing this, I hurriedly sat up. Thereupon, he very kindly asked me why I had sat up. And I said, how can I go on sleeping on a couch when your holiness is lying on the floor? He smiled and said, his holiness smiled and said, I was keeping watch over you. The children were making a noise and I was trying to prevent them lest they should disturb you in your sleep. This is a relationship of... A, a prophet, an imam, the messiah of the age, and one of his companions. Hmm. And again, this is one of the many examples that you find. And look, prophets have this thing that, uh, or you know, generally speaking as well, you and I, if I'm trying to convince you or you're trying to convince me about a certain aspect or a certain topic, you can bring the craziest arguments that you can have. But if I don't see that being followed by actions, if I don't see and I don't, I don't observe you in a quiet corner where nobody else is watching, but for some reason, somehow I have you know, a, a line of sight and I see you behaving in that way that you're preaching, then none of those arguments will have an impact.
0: And you know that's so true, If again, talking about the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Holy Quran is the word of God, hmm. and their words. Hmm. They would remain only just words if they are not lived. Yeah. And that's why the the beauty of Islam, which was is a universal religion, is the only religion where that differentiation is so clear, and that the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is separate, is narrated separate, it's kept separate. Whereas the Holy Quran, which is the word of God, which is proven to be unchanged, is still separate. However, the life of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings be upon him, was based, he was an embodiment hmm. of the words of the yes. Holy Quran. So God's words were lived yes. by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings be upon him. And so
1: name. many people were attracted to him, not by the arguments that he no. gave, but just his How he lived. Character. And, and the perfect example
0: of that is, uh, when he was chosen as the leader of Medina, yeah. when he went from Mecca, when he migrated from Mecca to Medina, he wasn't chosen as a leader of Medina because he had claimed prophethood. Mm. Because there were Christians, Bedouins, Jews, people of different faiths, idol, you know, yeah, idol yeah. worshippers. But because of the way he lived his life, yeah. because they knew he was truthful, yeah. they knew his wisdom, they knew his, they knew what he said, he lived. Yeah. That was why everyone agreed to say, "Look, no, we want Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to be our leader because we know we will we will receive equity, justice, and fairness under his under his uh, leadership.
1: Now we are going to move on there's so many things that we could uh, keep talking about, but unfortunately, time is not on our side. There is eight nine ten three more conditions that we want to get through." Number eight reads that he or she shall hold his or her faith, dignity, and the welfare of Islam dearer than his or her own life, wealth, and children. Here with us to discuss this condition and talk a little bit more is our next guest for today, um, Imam Sajil Ahmed, who is also a missionary of the MD Muslim community, currently serving in Micronesia, is with us on the line. Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to The Draft Time Show, Imam Sajil.
5: Wassalamu alaikum, Salamu alaikum, Tullad and uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a while, Imam Sajil. How are you? I am doing very well. Uh, it was a pleasure to see
0: all of you, and a very blessed Jalsa Mubarak to uh, you know both brothers as well. Imam Sajil, peace be on you. Wassalamu alaikum, kayum Here for, the, for for forget about the benefit of the listeners. For my benefit, what in God's name is Micronesia? <laughs> where, where, where is Micronesia? Well,
5: <laughs> wow, that, that's a wonderful question. So uh, basically, uh, the promised Messiah alayhi waslam. He was given revelation that you know his jamaat would spread to the corners of the earth. And so, just to give you a small idea, um, I'm originally from Toronto, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Raza Saib was our uh, older colleague in Jamia Canada as well.
0: Oh, older um, colleague? And mm. so when, you know, when, Can you please say that again? Older colleague. <laughs> 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 Status-wise, you shouldn't love. be making you, jokes you, about A's. You, no, made, you, 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 you made my
1: day. <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, going from Canada, it's about a forty-hour journey on plane. And so, oh, wow. you generally, you're 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 traveling from Toronto to Chicago, Chicago to LA, LA to Hawaii. Hawaii to Majuro, Majuro to Kwajalein, Kwajalein to Koshrai and finally 40 hours later uh, you know, uh, uh, you, know you are in the island of Ponepe, Micronesia and uh, you, to give you an example of how far we actually are away uh, we're actually in the future it's uh, Saturday <laughs> morning 3.22am so what? I'm seeing wow. you from the future <laughs>
1: <laughs> that awesome. is awesome so we're talking to someone 9 hours Into the future, that is great. Now, I'm happy I asked. (laughs) So, now we know how many was like four, five, six, six, seven, or six or seven pit stops. I don't know, maybe in between. Now, um, Imam Sajil, thank you very much for joining us uh, from the future um, here on the Drive Tom Show. I want to ask you, and we are just currently just you know touched on the eighth condition. Of Of bad, in this condition, we are told to prioritize faith over all worldly things. Why is that the case? Um, and specifically, you know world includes things that we hold dear, such as wealth, uh, children, even our lives. How is that to be understood?
5: Jazak for such a wonderful question, and uh, as you both were speaking uh, uh, just a few minutes back. Um, if we look at the world on a broader level, we see that there is a very strong trend towards a very kind of extreme form of individualism today, where people are looking at their life and they're looking at their wealth and their property, and they're looking at these things that they have around them. And as a result of all that they have, they say that whatever we have is our own doing, and our wealth, and our bodies, and our children, and our property are those things which will keep us protected. And so, in a way, those things have unfortunately become like idols. So, a believer, on the other hand, he looks at all those material things that he or she has around them and realizes, as the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu waslam, has taught us, that whatever we have, whatever good that we have from in this life is from Allah the Almighty alone. Hmm. And when a believer gains this level of achievement, when he gains this level of insight, he stops running after the material things of the world and realizes in his soul that if all the good that I have in my life is from God Almighty, then all this honor that I have from Him alone, then I'm going to start running towards Him. And so he foregoes, in a sense, those things of the world And he starts to run towards Allah the Almighty. And when he starts to do this, Allah the Almighty in turn looks at him with so much love. And he says, look, these are the things that he needs or she needs in their material being. And Allah the Almighty begins to enrich his or her life in his or her worldly affairs. And so it's this beautiful law that in a sense you start to run away from the world. You start to prioritize your faith over all those things which we hold dear But in return, Allah the Almighty starts to love you and starts to enlarge those things in your life. And a beautiful example of this is in the supplication of the Prophet Abraham and his life alone. When we start our daily prayers, we say, I have turned my face towards him who has created the heavens and the earth, being ever inclined to him. And I am not one of those who associate partners with Allah. So he took all those things which became or or can become like idols in our life And instead, he became Hanifa. He became inclined towards God. Mm. And in the Holy Quran, we actually see an example where the people around him actually said, why don't you love our idols? And in Surah Shuara of the Holy Quran, verse 78, the Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, he replies that, look, all these idols, and I quote, they are all enemies to me, except the Lord of the worlds. He who has created me And it is He who guides me, and who gives me food and gives me drink, and when I am ill, it is He who restores me to health, and who will cause me to die, and then bring me to life again, and who, I hope will forgive me my faults on the Day of Judgment. So he, uh, the Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, he didn't say that when I am sick, I restore myself. He attributed everything, his food, his drink, his sickness, anything, any issue that he had. Mm-hmm. He said that it is God Almighty, who is the source of all good, who brings me back. And I guess to end off this question, I'm reminded of a couplet that the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad Sahib Rahmatullah, Allah, used to quote, uh, of uh, the Urdu poet Ghalib with great love. And the quote goes something like, mm.
3: And
5: the translation of this is that I rendered this life to God from whom it came as a trust. But with truth and justice, I can say that I could not do justice to it. So, you know, it becomes a matter of recognition and a believer that all these things in our life they are all from God Almighty. And if they are all from God Almighty, then we prioritize in our our faith in Him because we realize that everything we hold dear is from Him alone. And if it is from Him alone, then it is to Him that we should always turn our full
0: attention and become Hanifa or inclined towards Him. Imam Shujil, you, you quoted that uh, that, that uh, poem, um, that uh, that verse from that poem. It's... If that would be, if I may, connect that to the concept or the idea of financial sacrifice. Because in the world we live in, when we talk of welfare, with welfare comes money. And wealth, as I always say, and I'm sure um, you will correct me if I'm wrong, the problem is never with wealth, but what we do with wealth. And it seems to me that. We always talk about financial sacrifice, but we never do justice with the correct type of financial sacrifice we make. And if I may connect another question to this, why is financial sacrifice and money um, being um, is, is said in the Holy Quran that money and children are a trial for us? So how, how is money and children and financial sacrifice and wealth interconnected? Jazakumullah, again, a, a wonderful question. I appreciate it. Um,
5: the the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Khalifa of Islam, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih al-Khamis, Sayyidullah bin aziz has answered this beautiful question in a sermon from October 2003. And uh, in a very small gist, he says that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he came to revive the teachings of Islam. And he has taught us that if we... Seek the love of Allah, the Almighty. Then we must serve His creation, and one of the greatest ways by which we can do this is by financially sacrificing one's wealth. And you know, I, I'm glad that you both asked. Uh, you know where Micronesia is? <laughs> uh, in Micronesia, uh, the the minimum wage is a dollar twenty five an hour. Wow! And so you can imagine that if you go to a Starbucks or if you go to a Costa and you get a cup of coffee, a dollar twenty-five or, uh, you know, a pound 25 would not be enough for even half a cup of coffee. Mm. And so we have seen when the Jamaat has gone out and the, the Jamaat has helped, uh, the, the community has helped certain people, um, I have seen a personal example where, you know, we had been driving away and we saw a person who we had given just a small uh, amount of food to he had raised his hands in the way of God and he started to cry and we saw that you know you know when we are given wealth in this life it is because it is an opportunity from God almighty to sacrifice more in his way and to to, to gain his love through you know service of his creation and a lot of people think to themselves how can we benefit other people or how can we sacrifice in the way of Islam and you know some people say we can give so much in the way of God some people say that you know we only have a little bit to give but I give the example here that the second head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Hazrat al Muslim radiallahu anhu gives in one of his speeches and he says look we give the example of the very wealthy Sahaba or the very wealthy companions of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him who gave great amounts, you know, thousands of camels, their whole homes, but we don't look at the example quite often of those people who were laborers who would go out in the way of God Almighty, and they would spend their whole days working and 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 in the heat and in the sun, and at the end of the day, all that they would have is just a handful of barley, and they would take that handful of barley and instead of going and trading that in for some money or doing anything else they would take that handful of bar- barley and they would hand it to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and the hypocrites and the disbelievers would laugh and they would say look these people are talking about you know a revolution in mm-hmm. the world yet these people are are you know they're they're handing a handful of barley but the the Hazrat Al-Muslim Aw Anhu he says that God only knows that he loved and he gave just as much reward to those people who sacrificed that handful of barley as he did with those people who gave thousands of camels Mm. in the way of God Almighty. And so for us, we should always remember that financial sacrifice, I mean, we may not see it in the West as much, but when you help people in other parts of the world who truly need it, you can see how much even a small donation or a small amount of sacrifice that we have made can benefit and enrich the lives of so many people around us. And uh, I, I guess a, a second uh, the, to the second part of this question, the Holy, in the Holy Quran, in chapter 8, verse 29, uh, Allah the Almighty reminds us that our possessions and our children are a trial and uses the word fitnatun. Now, fitnatun is a word which means test or something that distinguishes between good and bad. And so in reality, uh, all all the things that we have in our possession, our wealth, our children, they are a trial because they can and they do become a means of our spiritual purification. See, if we had no money to give in the way of God Almighty, then how could we serve God's creation? Or if we had... No children, for example, how could we position them or train them or or raise them in such a way that they become good and pious men and women for the service of God Almighty? And so, um, you know, when you look at all these things, they can become a source of us becoming closer to God Almighty. If we use our possessions in a good way, in a, a way that helps and enriches the lives of other people for the sake of God, then as God says later in this verse, it is allah with whom is a great reward and the same thing if we leave a a a legacy of goodness in our children then we will have left a legacy of goodness when we leave this world behind and unfortunately this this verse also takes uh, uh you know the the opposite meaning as well that if we don't if we spend our if we don't spend our possessions in the way of god or we don't uh, you know, raise our children in a good way, then we will have left no legacy and no reward for ourselves either
0: that 's what I was going to say I mean the second part you mentioned i'm I'm grateful that you mentioned that because it's it's this verse i mean one thinks if the world that we live in today, especially in the western world this this verse couldn't be more relevant mm. today than ever before, so it could be a warning absolutely. as well isn't it absolutely it is
5: absolutely and and you know, again, when you see the impact of what your financial sacrifice or sacrifice in general can do, even at a very small scale, it really does change your life.
1: Oh, on that note, just you know, before the next question, I think for the benefit of everyone, today I was reading um, from, this is from the sayings of the promised Messiah on whom be peace. And he was talking about prolong, a recipe to prolong your life. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you are, beneficial, if you will benefit others not yourself, if you benefit others meaning that you pray for others, you help others that's one way of prolonging your life isn't it? And, and <laughs> absolutely uh, Imam Sajir, um one last question from my side, uh, I want to ask you, speaking about all of these things, growing up here in the West I mean you, born bred in, in lovely Canada but um, you decided to 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 do work, meaning that you decided to give your life for the sake of faith. You went through seven years of studies, and you forsake, uh, for basically, you forsake all, all the the world. That, that's what you do after seven or before you you know make that decision. How can we, as parents today, how can we instill that love of faith in our children in a world where? Religion seems outdated. Religion seems at odd with the values that we should hold or society tells us to if, hold.
0: If I may just kind of <clears throat> put an extension on that, uh, Imam Shajil. Yet, yes, there's this notion of religion being outdated, but more relevant that even though at home or in the mosque, the re- importance of the beautiful way of life, as we call it mm. here, Islam, we we encourage it and we give it rationality. But on social media or in schools, on peer groups, it's the total opposite. How does one overcome those challenges? Uh, thank you so much for these questions. Uh, I mean, as a young parent myself,
5: I, I think about these questions quite often. And uh, the, the the greatest conclusion that I've come to through the teachings of our community and the holy founder of this community Uh, The Promised Messiah Upon Him Be Peace is that this question has really only arisen today in this climate and society because quite simply, mankind is unfortunately in the dark. And religion seems outdated because for a majority of religious believers, unfortunately, in this world today, religion has become a shell and they are not truly illuminated with a living relationship with God Almighty. And we consider ourselves to be incredibly blessed to have accepted the coming of the promised reformer who revived this uh, relationship with Allah the Almighty through the teachings of the Prophet of Islam. Upon him be peace. And, you know, again, I think about this question quite often, but if we want to instill the love of faith in our children, especially in a time where social media and modern education in, in certain aspects is refuting the existence of god we have to first and foremost pray but second we have to inculcate in our upbringing that our children develop a true and loving relationship with allah the almighty and it's almost like a tree if this relationship becomes well rooted if their roots are firm then no matter what the storm above no matter how strong the winds or no matter how you know strong the rains that may come their roots will remain firm in the love of God Almighty and he will guide them in this age towards bringing other souls who are deeply in need and in search of this light towards the one and living God. And, uh, you know, the holy founder of our community, uh, you know, in just, he he said that our paradise lies in our God Hmm. and it is this life mission that every Ahmadi Muslim holds dear and it is our uh, you know ultimate goal that we raise our children and we pray for them that they become strong believers in God Almighty in that they have a living and loving relationship with God Almighty so that they may continue to walk this path towards this paradise that we hold in our lives and so in summary, if we have a a society where people have a loving relationship with God Almighty, then we have nothing to fear because. Everything that we do, everything that we are, everything we believe in, it lays its foundation simply in a living relationship with God Almighty.
0: I have a question for uh, before I let you go, Imam Shajil. For, I, I I've got the pleasure of having two imams, Imam Raza, just for the benefit of our listeners. He is also an Imam, um, and uh, and uh, I don't sound like and, it and, sometimes, uh, Imam Shajil and Imam Raza. <laughs> I have a question as a as, as a as a layman, as the common man. We've talked about you know living in this environment and creating this this uh, this positivity and this belief and the love of god to instill that in our children and in the family that 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 we nurture and and we we hope that that uh, it will bring them closer to god almighty so my question is if you live in an environment where that's what you want but you don't get it should you walk away and if not, or do you keep on nurturing and keep on kind of flowering that tree where that like you mentioned, Imam Shujil, and then you hope and you pray and then you carry on watering it, thinking that one day it will blossom or what's the remedy? Because if our listeners out there are thinking, well, hold on, I don't live in that environment. Mm. I don't have access to such um, such people. I want to believe, but my peer groups are not of that of the same ilk or mindsets, what do, what do people do? It's a difficult question, and I apologize for putting you on the spot, but it, it's something that just came to mind while while you were talking. Well, Raza uh, Sahib, do I have your permission? May sure, I, may of I go course,
1: ahead? of course, of
5: course. Okay, Jazakallah. Um, you know, whenever uh, my dad, he's a very avid gardener, and... Um, you know, whenever I've seen him um, garden, I see that he he truly loves gardening. And one of the rules of gardening is that when you put a seed in the ground, you don't don't dig it up every second day and think, Mm. oh my God, where's my flower? (laughs) But you keep on watering that seed until you start to see that plant. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded of the story of a uh, a a saint of islam in uh, in Tazkiratul awliya there's a book written about some of the incidents of the saints of islam islam and one of the examples that is given is that there was one once a saint who had a very strong relationship with god almighty but unfortunately uh there was quite a, num- a number of people who were jealous because they they couldn't develop it or they Uh, were jealous of how strong of a relationship he had and how much people loved him for it. And so one day he found out, and so he started to tell the people a story. And he said that one day water and oil were, uh, you know, conversing with one another. And water looked at the oil, and water said, Look, I am this clean thing that is used to, you know, purify people, yet you being this dirty thing, you are always on top of me. You are always above me. And so the oil started to say, and I'll say this very quickly for the benefit of the viewers, that the oil started to say that when I was a small seed, I was put into the ground and I was left in the dark and nobody knew about me. And I stayed there until I started to become a small plant. And that small plant became a large plant. And as soon as I started started to live this life of becoming a larger plant, I was cut down and I was torn into pieces and I was put into this incinerator and I was burnt at a high heat and I was put into so much pain and from that I was extracted and oil came out of me and that oil is what is used to enlighten the way of other people. And so this this path of spirituality, my dear brothers, is is a very, very, as, of course, being my seniors, you, you know this, uh, you know, in a lot greater uh, aspect uh, than me, but, uh, you know, this path of spirituality is a, a very, very uh, hard path in some aspects. And it is extremely hard, especially in places where you find the lack of spirituality because, You have to be that seed. You have to plant yourself firm into the ground, and you have to keep going until God Almighty makes that plant out of you and he shows you what it means to blossom and bloom. And so we have to keep on going. And as the holy founder of our community, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, says that we have to keep digging until we hit the water. And once we do, then God willing, that uh, the, the, the water of life will keep on coming.
1: Awesome. I don't think there's anything to add. No. Imam Sajid, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly, greatly appreciate you coming on. And as always, uh, you know, good to talk to you. And until next time, assalamu alaikum. It's my absolute pleasure. Jazakallah. Jazakallah.
0: <coughs> as alaikum And that was Imam Shujil Ahmed who took us back.
1: No. To the future. Back to, <laughs> Back to the future. <laughs> yes, back to the future it is. Now. We are going to quickly move on. There's one more condition, uh, actually two Two more, more. but one we're going to have to do some injustice to, and we're just going to quickly run through it, and that is the ninth condition, because with the tenth condition, we're going to be joined by our next guest for today. The ninth condition of Ben reads that he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only meaning for God's sake only and shall endeavor towards the beneficence of mankind to the best of his or her god-given abilities and powers
0: I think Imam Shaji's last answer yeah. to the question yeah. kind of covered yeah. that quite well actually Yeah um, you know with with the with with the story of the seed and the
1: plant that's what yeah. the
0: ninth condition is all about, actually.
1: And as we said so many times, Islam consists of two parts. One, the, the service and the rights that you owe to God Almighty. And the second is the rights that you owe to God's creation. One cannot go without the other. And, and, so, and what that means is that the rights of, that
0: you owe to God Almighty can only happen yes. if you serve mankind.
1: Exactly. Number 10. He or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of God and to remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death. He or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connection that demands devoted dutifulness. Explaining this condition before we go to our next guest, His Holiness, Hazrat Ms. Masood Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, he said that you should be mindful that this bond does not remain inactive. Rather, it should become stronger every day. You have to be obedient without grumbling. You never have the right to say that such and such cannot be done or that you cannot do such and such at this time. When you have taken the bad, meaning when you have entered the community, when you have taken this pledge and have entered the system of the community, you have given everything of yours to the promised messiah on whom be peace here with us to talk a little bit more about this condition is our next guest he's a missionary of the Ahmadi Muslim community and imam of the Ahmadi Muslim community currently serving in Ghana faraz yasin rabani imam faraz yasin rabani is with us online imam rabani assalamualaikum and welcome to the draft Hub show
6: Wa wa Thank you for having
1: me. Thank you very much for joining us today. In the tenth condition that we've just read, the promised Messiah, the founder of the MV Muslim community, commands his followers to establish a bond of brotherhood with him, pledging complete obedience to him for you know God's sake and remain faithful till the end. We as followers, how can we? Who come after who have come after the death of the promised Messiah on whom be peace, he passed away in nineteen oh eight. How can we establish this bond of brotherhood and show obedience to the founder of the MD Muslim community? So
6: uh, the first thing that we need to know is that the word bayah, which is bad as we normally call it, is from the Arabic word which means to sell, to sell yourself. So, as Hazur just mentioned that you should enter a bond of brotherhood with, which the like of which cannot be found in any worldly relationship. It means you've handed your entire being to the promised Messiah Islam, and as the first Khalifa of the Jamaat al Haja Mo binurdin Sahib mentioned, that you should be like a corpse in the hand of the one who washes it, meaning that you have nothing of your own but that of the promised Messiah Islam. And before going directly to your question, I would like to mention that when the promised Musa Islam took the bath, Allah the Almighty revealed to him that was Wahina that built this ark under our direction and revelation. But this ark that the promised Musa was to build is not of planks and nails, as was of Noah's own. But it is the ten conditions of bath that a person has entered in. And after the demise of the promised Musa Islam, as the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi prophesied, they would be khilafat on the precepts of prophethood. And then the Holy Prophet also told us that when you see that Khalifa of Allah the Almighty, you should attach yourself to him, even if at the cost of your being, your body is torn into pieces and so is your wealth. So what you owe to the Imam Mahdi, the promised Messiah Islam, is exactly what you owe to the khulafa that follow him. And when Hazur mentioned that this tense condition, it demands devotion and sincerity, the like of which cannot be found in any world relationship. It is because Allah the Almighty told the Holy Prophet, sallam, who later told us, that convey my salam, the salam of the Holy Prophet, to the Imam Mahdi. And we who have not found the Imam Mahdi, we have found a second manifestation, which Hazrat salam himself has mentioned that it is better for you to see that second manifestation. And one element of this tenth condition is obedience to the promised Musa Islam and after him to the Khulafa. So what is important and sometimes people are mis- under- sometimes people misunderstand a portion of this tenth condition which is that I shall obey in everything good. The mm. word Maruf, which is translated as good is sometimes misunderstood by some people. And they suggest that out of sheer ignorance that not every command of the Khalifa is to be hearken to accept which is good. It is very unfortunate that Satan, or Iblis, made the same mistake. And the first story of the Holy Quran is about a Khalifa in the earth. As Allah the Almighty said, I am going to establish a I am going to establish a Khalifa in this world. And, ha- and then he told Iblis to submit himself to that Khalifa. But what did he say? He said, "I am better than him," meaning that I have, I don't have to obey everything he says. So those who believe that not every command of the Khalifa of the time is important or worth following are making the same mistake Iblis or Satan made, and it is Satan that is making them make that mistake.
0: So the word mar- so, so, is- so, sorry. If, so so the word maruf isn't there to. Uh, to to give you a choice, but it's actually telling you even irris- any word coming out from the, from the caliph is, uh, is 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 to be obeyed. This is what the 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 foundation of obedience is within the the Ahmadi Muslim community, isn't it?
6: Exactly. You know that is what Allah the Almighty told the Holy Prophet that take bias on them and everything good. Now, such people do they have a list of goods and and not do and don'ts for the Holy Prophet himself? The definitely do not. So the word Maruf is an extension of the authority of the Khalifa, mm. not a limitation. Not a limitation. It extends his authority that every word, decision, action of the Khalifa is good and blessed, and we have to obey him because everything that he says, every action, every deed is good, and we ought to obey him as we did obey the Holy Prophet and. The promised Messiah, a.s. So this is the meaning of marum. maruf is not a limitation; it is an extension hmm. of the authority of the Caliph of the time.
1: Rabbani, Every year, we as Ahmadi's uh, and you know people of uh, not uh, part of the community, they watch uh, the annual convention here in the UK and different parts of the world as well. We take part in the <clears throat> international. Uh, and we pledge allegiance and obedience to the 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 caliph of the time um is is that is that the end is that the start how do we understand i mean how do we uphold that pledge in our daily lives it's very emotional at that time yes of course but then what's how do we come out of this what do we take from 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 that
6: so, you know, uh, that those moments of bad are very emotional for everybody. But as human beings, sometimes, as the days pass, we tend to, as the emotions fade off, and sometimes, sometimes the actions do fade off as well. But if we remember at all times the saying of the Quran, that every oath or covenant you go into, you will definitely be asked of it on the Day of Judgment. And bad is the most sacred of all covenants. And when you know that Allah, the Almighty, is watchful of every deed of mine, then it drives you at all times to honor the bath that you have taken. And even in uh, this Jalsa, the first speech of Huzoor, he did mention that we have to honor this bath by creating a spiritual revolution in our lives and act as for the teaching of the Holy Qur'an. But one thing which is very important also to honor this bath that we have gone into is obedience now how do you obey if you have not listened so listening to the khalifa of the time to the khalifa of allah present among us is the way you can honor this bad because once you listen to what he tells you it's only then you can obey what what he wants you to do or what he asks and and demands of you so the friday sermons of the khalifa of the time are a fundamental way of holding the covenant in which we have gone into. Outside the Friday Sermons, we have other addresses of as Amir Muminin, as well as MTA provides an excellent program this week with Huzoor. All these are ways, and once you see Huzoor, there is that charisma that attracts you to good, and seeing him on daily basis, the, the chances of you fulfilling your covenants are much higher than a person who seldom watches the, the blessed continents mm. of the Khalifa of the time.
1: Wonderful. Imam Faraz Yasin Rabani, thank you very much for your time. It was great to talk to you. Jazakallah, one more time for, for joining us today. Uh, imam Rabani is a, an Imam, a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, currently serving in a lovely Ghana. Jazakallah, Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum,
6: wa rahmatullah.
1: You know what Imam Rabani said? It reminded me of. Uh,
0: it's, a, it's a strange uh, thought and mm. memory that, in, even in the corporate world, when you when when you deal or you attend conferences which are based around communication, mm. the one question always arises: What's the art of communication? It's listening. Mm. And Imam Rabani couldn't have said yeah, it better. Yeah, yeah. If you don't listen, listen you how are you going to obey? Yeah.
1: That's it, bottom line. No, I didn't get that. Uh, yeah, from, from that point of view, wonderful. Okay, now, Brother Q, that brings us to the end. I think, look, in two hours, going through five conditions, we've been doing one condition per hour basically before in, in, in previous shows, but uh, going through five in two, again, there's only so much justice that you can do. But again, for for the benefit of everyone listening out there if you are a member of the community or if you are not i think the point here that we were trying to make is it's not just blind following that uh, we do within the community we we don't it's not a cult that you follow without thinking without uh, contemplating in, in fact reading. it's wrong yeah
0: to to follow something which you don't understand
1: exactly and I think for us look uh, as an imam my our instructions from 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 our superiors are that if somebody comes to you and you know we don't rush them into these things. No. My my, Guidance. my exactly so I I always encourage them to go back and read more, research more. It's not a small step, it's not a small decision for someone like us who is um in I mean as forget about being uh, an imam as 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 a job. This is my life. But even as an as an as an amadi, it's an integral part of your life. Well, I think that's so important that this pledge of allegiance we take on an annual
0: basis. It's not for people who have joined the community new. Hmm. It's actually f- also more for the benefit of the people who are, yeah. I would say, maybe someone like me, born and bred, who's learning still on a daily basis, and will be learning till the day I die, in order to kind of rejuvenate or or, or, or b- bring back to life that that uh, spiritual feeling mm, mm. to kind of recharge my batteries and, and, and make me realize, hold on, mate, this is what you've
1: been doing wrong in the past year. Yeah. And, and, and I come back to the same point that I made before. When you hear the words of His Holiness being recited, when he reads the Arabic prayer that, Oh, my Lord, I have wronged my soul and I beg forgiveness from you because there's no one else to forgive but you. You know and you realize what your position is, where you stand in your life, how much you have messed up and how much in need of forgiveness you are. And this verse has been
0: turned into so many sermons by His Holiness yeah. where He has said, look, you courage and being brave is about being truthful to yourself because that's where the beginning happens. If you do want to change, if for your own benefit, you've got to learn to tell the truth. And I'm not saying tell the truth to anyone else, but to yourself. Because until you learn to tell the truth to yourself, you will never be able to take a step forward. You'll be going around in circles.
1: With that, we want to thank you for listening in. Thank you very much for joining us today here on The Drive Time Show on Friday. We want to thank Mari Ahmed, the one who is our researcher and producer for today. Uh, Thank you to Brother Asad as well in the tech room and to our wonderful guests for today. I want to thank uh, Imam Farhan uh, Iqbal, for, uh, Imam Faraz Yasin Rabani, Imam Sajil Ahmed, all the way from Micronesia in the future, and of course, Imam Marwan Gil from uh, Argentina. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, SML is going to be with you at 10 a.m., and the Weekend World team will be joining you on Sunday at 10 a.m. Drive time will be back on Monday. Assalamualaikum.